0: Greetings, film fans. Hope you're keeping warm and safe during this holiday weekend. Did you know it's President's Day, Carl?
1: And Valentine's Day and the halfway through February day.
2: So, yeah, a lot of things happen.
0: That's right. Well, we have one of our favorite guests with us today. Frankie Cambaletta, how are you?
2: (laughs) I'm good, guys. How are you?
1: We'll talk to our guest, Frankie, in just a second, but we'll get right into Judas and the Black Messiah, and then we'll find out more about Lemp's Last Rite, and then around minute 35, Minari. Around minute 44, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Around minute 54, Land. Around one hour and one minute, The Marnetanian. And then The World to Come. Around one hour and three minutes, The New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears. Around one hour and 18 minutes, we'll talk about cancel culture. And then at one hour and 26 minutes, Frankie will talk about The Haunted Garage podcast.
2: It's also Black History history Month. Yeah, yes. throw it out there. We've been doing some but great see,
1: but that's not but see there are entities that are trying to keep Black History Month going and going. And so it's not just Black History Month, it's gonna continue. So it's not just gonna be February, the shortest month of the year. There are and also as I said on Max on Movies. You can watch Black History anytime. You don't need it's to true. just do it during February. Like watch right. one night in Miami. And that 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 is very Black History, and I learned very a lot fun. from watching that.
0: Right. And and I enjoyed Sylvie's Love, which is on Amazon Prime right now. And I did not much did not like so much Malcolm and Marie, but that doesn't mean I don't applaud certain things in it. And I'm a big fan of Zendaya, as you know. I thought it was Zendaya, and then I heard all these people saying Zendaya, so I, I don't know. I thought it
1: know. was Zendaya. I, I've been following her since she was a Disney star on Shake It Up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. They showed a music video of Kara- Katy Perry's the other day, mm-hmm. and She's she was it. dancing in it. Yeah. yeah, She was a kid. It and was she... that Bop one.
1: <laughs> Alright, so speaking of Black History Month, mm-hmm. I did not know anything about Judas and the Black Messiah.
2: Me neither. I saw I, that coming kind of until I
1: watched it. And it made me hate Chicago even more. Oh, it made
0: me very it made me very angry. And I can tell, I mean, I'm of that generation, so I knew of the Chicago Sevens. So when that part in the trial where Fred is behind Bobby Seal and everything, knew, he was representing him. Right. I knew that aspect of it, but I did not know how. Well, and then I also know about J. Edgar Hoover being a massive, right. paranoid, bigot creep. But I did not know to the extent of the informant and how they persecuted the Black Panthers. And I also didn't know that the Black Panthers started the breakfast before school program for little kid, You know, little right. kids. School in- lunches or school what? breakfasts. Yeah. And and uh, how much of a community activist Fred was. I was very fortunate uh, after watching the movie to one day uh, I was at what was called a summit and we had four or five sessions to listen to speakers. And one was with the director, Shaka King and Fred Hampton, Jr.
1: Yes. And because his uh, the his mother who is played by uh, Dominique fishback fishback in the movie. She, um, she changed her name and, and, but, but he, their child is Fred Hampton jr. It it, there, that story is so amazing and so much better than the film gives them. Um, Yes.
0: Yeah. I think the script, is lacking in certain ways because I think it's hard to follow certain things. And then the epilogue is amazing. That mother, Fred Hampton's mother, sued and won huge. Mm-hmm. And they just treat that like a little tiny thing, which I think, you know, it that also mean- it
1: took 12 years. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, but also- they, did, they, didn't,
1: they sued for forty seven million and only got one point eight million. They got less than two million and they were suing for forty eight million. So yeah, they should
0: have got I think they should have got more. But the fact that she won against the law, the man is pretty impressive. But I, I would have liked to see the mother was so good in her one scene with Fred. Mm-hmm. And oh, and it just. It just broke my heart. And I would have liked to have seen more of her. And I would uh, I, I it isn't clear at the end or maybe I'm just because I saw it really kind of a long time ago. Um, I they don't really let you know that there is a Fred Hampton Jr. Till, know, yeah,
1: they, do. They, they said that she he get, she gave birth 20 like 26 days later.
0: Well, right. In the epilogue, they tell you. But right. at the end of the film, it isn't, you know, like. It's just horrific. It's whatever is horrific. And apparently this William O'Neill, uh, who is so well played by Lakeith Stanfield, who apparently had such a hard time playing him and mm-hmm. was just, you know, throwing up before scenes and stuff because that kind of person just really got to him. Yeah. Um, apparently uh, that guy was just lying all the time. And so the director said he watched all these videos. With this guy, but he said, "Well, how can I take him seriously because he was a liar?"
1: Well, that that's also that's also a problem with the performance. Uh, William O'Neill, um, I I don't I didn't like the framing devices that they used to talking about William O'Neill because they used Eyes on the Prize too, where he didn't uh, it obviously he was giving coded messages and uh, lying on screen talking about the Eyes on the Prize. And it just they, it's inconsistent. And the choices when they choose to use that are just odd. And I you I didn't sympathize with William O'Neill. And I guess you're not you're not supposed to because he's a rat. I mean, he's the Judas of the movie. But also they don't give you enough of Fred Hampton to I don't want to say care about his story, but they keep switching back the you don't know who's telling the story is it william o'neill's story or is it fred hampton's story and i would rather it be fred hampton's story because screw william o'neill um, right I right don't, i don't care about william o'neill
0: and well um i thought it was choppy in that regard and that's why i only you know that's why i had some issues but daniel kaluuya is is just electric in and he is, he this is movie.
1: fabulous but what another thing that the film fails for me is that it's dynamic and it is very important that Fred Hampton was only 21 years old. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Kalua is he's he's in his thirties. And yeah. he does not and that's not his fault. He's I'm sure he had the gravitas and the and the uh air and the presence of of an old soul, but he wasn't. He was a kid. He did yeah. all of this in three years while he was a teenager, didn't die till he was twenty one. Yeah, I, they should. have. I I know this project has been sitting around for a long time,
0: but I wish they should have got some kids. I know in retrospect, I mean, Ryan Coogler produced it. And he is such a fabulous director. The first Creed and Black Panther, the Marvel. Mm-hmm series and i wish he would have done more with it you know, to be honest but it's but- it's a
1: fantastic story and it made me want to learn more about it uh the end bomb is everywhere and they had something afterwards with quest love I, I saw a premiere with quest love and he did a set and they had a lot of he did a mix from the movie and a lot of the songs I, I had to turn it off because it was it, and I I'm not being an old person. I'm just being an uncomfortable white person hearing if 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 you want to propel the movement and e- propel everything and let everyone know all the good things they did. It was just that it was a lot of n-bombs getting thrown around and it, it it made me and i wanted to learn more so i did i did deep dive on my own but i had to turn it off i had to turn off the after party and i'm like oh cool i'm at an after party with quest love oh my gosh they've said the n-word about a thousand times i'm going to leave now and i i don't i don't know if as a white dude if that's what i was supposed to do or it, it's it, i was in a weird and i talked to one of my african-american friends and he said I understand what you're saying, but maybe maybe that party wasn't for you, <laughs> and, and I get it. And but, and but I wanted to learn more, and so I did, and it it made me. I mean, not that J. Edgar Hoover is a a wonderful person anyway. It just makes it just reminds you not
0: that the guy was a bad dude. Oh, horrible. And it, in the decades since, a lot has come out about the FBI manipulation, so it's it's not that we're surprised no. or that uh, there's new revelations, but he was far more of a creep than we ever thought in the... Uh, you know in the 70s things started leaking about him and then now it's just horrific but I think it's ironic that Martin Sheen plays him because Martin Sheen is such an activist right but what a horrible makeup job <laughs> oh. yeah
1: oh. And, and, and are you supposed to like Jesse Plemons character because See,
0: that's the, what yeah it's very and, ambiguous and you don't
1: know if that I'm sure it's a composite character. Cause they, they don't say if Roy Mitchell was a real FBI guy, they leave that very vague. I'm sure it's a composite character, but you know, something like, like Spike Lee's black Klansman, you, you know, that those were real guys. Right. And there had, he had to have a handler. <laughs> it had right. to be, it, there had to be a real guy that was meeting with him that was paying him off that gave him a gas
0: station. Um, uh, Right. I think uh uh yeah, I think that performance is one note and I expect more from Jesse Plemons. But uh Alex McPherson, who reviews for my website PoplifeSTale.com, mm-hmm. um he thought he thought Jesse did show that his character was conflicted. Was he? And it was more nuanced.
1: I, well he has Bill O'Neill over to his house and he says, uh, here, have the good scotch, blah blah blah. And he like they they're hanging out, but and then uh, it, the scene with Martin Sheen as Jagger Hoover and Jesse Plemons as Roy Mitchell, when they're together, it reminded me of the scene from One Night in Miami, when Bo Bridges is talking to Jim Brown at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and it 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 was uncomfortably horrible. And that it's I, One Night in Miami is a thousand times better than. Judas and the Black Messiah. But uh,
0: it, I know there's a, I, I really uh, wanted to like this way more than I did. And is it, I, is it
1: because we're white people, though?
0: <laughs> well, I wonder about that because, it, you know, it is getting universal acclaim. And I did speak very highly of it in my review and my radio part last night, because I think it's an important story to tell. And it has terrific performances, but I do wish um, it's very hard to keep the players straight, and it's very hard to get everything in it because it is such a it is such a big story that's been ignored for a long time. And that the uh, Hampton family was very much a presence, right? They were
1: they were involved in this. They're involved in this. Yes, and, and Dominique mother Fishback Akira, is fantastic. Uh, uh,
0: Akira, mother Akira. Okay. And she is still alive. Fred Hampton's girlfriend and baby mama, uh, yeah, baby mama and her son. And uh, yeah, I like the romance between Dominic Fishback as Deborah Johnson and and Fred because it's a very sweet, poetic. Uh, you know, it's it's a nice switch from the fiery rhetoric, but Fred his gift he has that one great scene with the rival gangs mm-hmm. and he brings everybody together getting them to realize that they're all again <laughs> they all have the same goal Yes, and that is a good scene with the Latino gang and the and the white guys the, the Appalachian gang because yeah. they,
1: they weren't like the clan they were they were just uh They were actually leftists and which is not the Klan at all. They were they were progressives from the south that moved up to Chicago and they don't. I wish there was more of those three groups, the Latinos and the Black Panthers and the Appalachian guys. I wish there was more of that because that
0: was getting those three groups together was great. Well, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that the Black Panthers were not terrorists, because uh, they, well, my family okay when i was growing up in east st louis rat brown h rep brown and uh some other panthers were coming and everybody was like terrified and that was like the whole thing around the thing like uh, oh don't go down to east st louis because h rep brown is gonna come and stuff and i think it was built that's the way it was when i was growing up because 68 i was like you know 13 right so but
1: there were there were There were shootouts going on that they they and I understand that the Chicago police were very corrupt. Uh, It's it's hard to imagine that this was only 50
0: years ago. Well, yeah. And in, in the white communities, I mean, people were terrified of the Black Panthers. And and I think now more is coming out about uh, their community organizing in their poor communities, which I think is to be applauded. Mm -hmm. And it was a very volatile time. Kent Tenshert, my colleague at the Webster with Times, said this is a volatile story about a volatile volatile time. You know, I mean, it was just a very crazy period.
1: Frankie, do you have any questions or comments about
2: this movie? um i haven't seen the movie for obvious obvious reasons um, it,
1: it came out today
2: yeah <laughs> um one of my papers i did in my master's degree was on bobby Seale, so it's it's hard for me to kind of um be uh, subjective mm-hmm. um or objective to some films that are made about him as a person
1: well he's he's only mentioned it. he has one scene
2: and that's what i heard and it was like those critiques i think that he's a bigger story behind the black panthers and i think that uh when you look at the film as a whole it it just and like i said i had not seen it but from critics that i trust it looks like that they were trying to do too much in one film and anytime you do that you It's hard to get from point A to point B, right? That's the journey, right? That's, you know, David Mamet, when he teaches you how to write scripts, it's A to B. That's, you know, and you don't need to go through that hero's journey. Exactly. And when you do that, you cross ties. Um, A film that's kind of, I would say, in the same, you know, February is um, observed um it, since i was a kid as we said earlier every day is black history month of course right. it is um in february it is more prominent and i think that a lot of these films get get um released at this point and, uh, it's and, local and good for film.
1: hbo putting it out there for, exactly because uh, it's on hbo right. max right now right. for 30 and days in theaters.
2: and in theaters it's in theaters oh. But yeah, you, if important. you have
1: hbo max you can watch it and watch it at home right now for the next 30 days
2: yeah right. and there's an actual local film that um our team gave a little bit of money to continuity was involved anytime Dan Paris and continuity gets involved with something I'm shift is usually going to follow his steps. Um, the film is called honorable. Um, and it, and it tell, it tells the tale, um, of Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and their, their crossness and how they met twice in their life. It's an incredible film. I don't know if you guys have revealed. Uh, It's an incredible production. I have not seen the finished product, but I'm very excited about this film. Zachary Clark is something I did some work with a while ago with I Am Real Life, him and Joel King. I was one of the producers on that and, and helped... Helped out with that, did some video stuff for them. So it it's just nice to see local black talent doing that. Um, and so I think that that's something that people should definitely check out. Honorable, it's a homemade film here. I'm trying to use as much local talent as possible. Um, but I do think that um, a lot of the films are coming out and it's almost like you have a really great argument and you want to say so many things and it ends up getting like jumbled. Mm-hmm. and and you want to say so much and you only have like 90 minutes <laughs>
1: and well and Fred Hampton's story is so complex and right they needed to make a decision whether they wanted to make this movie about Fred Hampton or if they wanted to make it about Wild Bill
2: oh, and Neil. I think people I think people like are more apt to, especially in the, the pan, the pandemic has taught us so much and, and we've lost so many American lives and na- international lives. But the one thing, some of the things the silver lining that's come out of it is the fact that people are more inclined to learn more about a story in an episodic format, mm-hmm. going six episodes, going eight episodes. So you can really understand the dynamic um, behind. I mean, I think every one of us reads, I think we're, we're a class of people that read. We'd like to read. We enjoy reading. I read scripts every day. <laughs> so, um, but what I'm seeing now is that I think since the 19, since, 1619 uh, project, I, I see a lot of, um, colorful voices coming out in the crowd. And I, the only thing that I advise to some young filmmakers too, is that, you know, I think that keeping it simple and going as slow, going as fast as the slowest person in the theater I think is very important. I think that you want to hit the, I think you want to hit the high notes. I think you want to hit um, the compelling one, right? The documentary, the Chicago Seven, is a compelling documentary that really shows you um, how terrible things were fifty years ago. And we look at it today, and there's some awful things that are happening. But when you look at New York and, and Serpico, when you look at Chicago and the Seven, when you look at L.A., when you look at Memphis, you really start to see this dynamic, and that is a story in and of itself. And anytime we try to Put more stories on top of that. Something's going to get flooded. Somebody's going to get left out, and we're going to miss a message and probably an important message too. Like you said, Fred Hampton is probably a. It's it's a mini series, and for HBO to have money like that to not really reel it back and say, "Well, wouldn't this work better as an episodic?" You know, because definitely the talent is in the film. The the talent I've seen the cast of people in it. Um, They definitely had that diversity. One night in Miami stands out to me because. Here you have a very, it's one thing that happened, right? One night. One night in Miami. And that's the beauty of Honorable. And what um, Mia Bible is doing with that film is that she's, it's just one part of Muhammad Ali's 2004 book, right? It's one part. Mm-hmm. His biggest regret in his life was, was not meeting Malcolm X or, or giving the cold shoulder to Malcolm X the second time around. It's his biggest regret in life. And she took that and she focused on it. And I think that, man, we're learning so much from younger filmmakers. And I think Hollywood, they have that big budget. It's like, okay, we got to spend $40 billion to make a film. And it's like, no, we don't. We really, really don't. We have to focus on what's important. And we have to focus on what the message that people want to come away with. So,
1: Well, one more thing. You mentioned local. There is a local artist that's involved in the soundtrack. His name's uh, Smino. He is a St. Louis rapper singer. And he is involved in the soundtrack and he was part uh, he was one of the people that were at the after party before Questlove took over with Nas and some other guys that were involved in the thing. And so there is a local angle to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. But I will say I wish there was more Black Messiah and less Judas.
2: Yeah. And it's very topical for that film to release, too, because you have the, the Floyd um, trial going on right now right. as well. Um, so it is topical. And you're definitely looking at completely two different circumstances. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's just a very, you know, I was I don't know about you guys, and I don't want to get political on here. But even from where I've stood my entire life, which is really middle, middle, right, I was relieved at the election, I was finally, like, okay, you know, like maybe we can get we can some ground. We can have friends now again, you know. <laughs> <It's
1: like laughs> you can, you can, uh, as my wife says, you can uh, not worry about snoozing people on the
2: Facebook. Exactly. And I really haven't. I've been very quiet on Facebook. I've just been like, i let everything go about a couple months ago. I was like, you know what, I'm just focusing on the funny stuff that I'm doing and the, and the serious work that I'm doing. And you know, being a dad, you know, that's important. And she's and, and, and you guys, and as you know, we all have kids here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to raise kids in this environment right now. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. Media My daughter wishes loud. I would be quiet right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's hey, move well, on.
0: Well, uh, just Go real ahead. quick, just real quick, went, during that Q&A, or it wasn't really a QA, and a it was just a summit. Shaka, Shaka King said that, I think they tried to tie a lot into the racial reckoning of the summer and come and, and make it parallel. Like Fred's words are still timely today. They are. And, and uh, which they are, but, and then you also see how much we need to uh, further, we need to go. But uh, one of the things that Alex McPherson brought up, which I thought was so good was we don't see enough of Fred and William together.
2: No. I mean, just his driver. Too much there's just too much script and you yeah. know that they were doing cuts um in the editing room you, right. you know that they must have shot all that and you know editing makes or breaks a film hello <laughs> <laughs> you as you right. know
1: right and you know what let's, they, let's talk about that right let's talk about that right now go ahead lynn lynn talk no. closer to the microphone what do you want to talk about with that well i want i want to we because we've had frankie on three times now and we've talked about his project and each time and last time he was on he told us that his film about the Lemp's has gone through some changes and I want to find out what those changes are currently
2: yeah we, we made some uh, we made some deep changes so the film is on um, Lemp's Last right that stayed um, that, there were so some you diff- kept the title. We kept the title, I kept the actors, we kept the film, we kept the interviews, um, but it's basically how we divvied it up, and although the first edit we had was, was, was good, um, it wasn't great, and I think that the fans and, and the family and, and, and the audience and the listeners and the people that have listened to us and followed us on our podcast and stuff like that, they deserve more, and that's just Frankie being Frankie too, but I think the team looked at the film and were like, you know what, are we Netflix worthy? You know, not saying it's pie, it's pie in the sky to get on Netflix. It's very, very, very rare that you get on Netflix, but, but you have to still, as a filmmaker, you have to have a goal. You put something on the calendar and you try to make it right. And that's what I tell people. That's the weight loss goal. That's the film goal. And for us, it was really getting that hundred year anniversary when, you know, we would have released the film. I think people would have loved the film. I think people would have really liked it. I don't think they would have wanted to see it again. I think it was a film that you could see it once and be like, all right, that's cool. I want people to like own the film and be like, you've got to watch this. And so in order to do that, the men of the group, um, Jeremy and Frankie, so Jeremy King is my partner. We made a hard decision to have a, not really a hard decision, but to look at the film and look at it as a rough draft. And then the second thing that came to me was we had involved so many females and so many women, powerful women in St. Louis, so many musicians um, like Moon Toy. And Sister Wizard um, People that have, have made an impact On the St. Louis audience And I said well Look at what J.J. Abrams does Look at what Quentin Tarantino does They always use females to edit their films Because there's a, there's a way that women can tell stories In an empathetic way But how much greater is it That a woman can tell a woman's story in editing And so with that We rekindled a relationship with um, Our past star from Ara. Uh, award-winning filmmaker too uh, with our, our smaller film, our first film uh, to come back and edit um, Elsa's tale. Cause she knew the story. She at one point was playing Elsa and she still wanted to be a part of it. And this is the best way that Lily McLeod could be a part of it was to actually tell Elsa's story the way that Elsa would have wanted it told and not the way that a man would have wanted it told. And I think that that was still kind of this. And I know that kind of sounds a little pat- patronizing, but at the same time, we really try to empower women at shift. It's, it's very, very, very important to us that they have a role, that they have a voice, and now they have control of that film. And what she's been able to do is really make this film more dark, really make this film more um, empathetic to, to the needs of what Elsa might've been going through. But also she channels it in a way where like, well, maybe Thomas didn't do it. So mm-hmm there's ways where you can get around the editing. And I think that that's what the film needed. The film needed a perspective from a woman. It needed a perspective of here was a person that was in a relationship. Here's a person that tried to make it work, you know, and made it made it work so many times that they're remarried. And then she's dead 12 days later. And so we have to figure that out. We have to find a way to bridge that gap and get to the A to B, but also take the audience with us. And so we continue to ask questions. And so That is where Lump is. We're hoping to have a Halloween release. We're going to do it in October. We feel that that should be enough time um, for it, you know, to come together. If we cannot do the premiere and God forbid, I've been praying hard on it, but God forbid the pandemic is still with us and we're still having the issues that we've had, then we're going to do a release. We're going to do a digital release. And then when it's all said and done, we'll definitely have a premiere for those people and everybody that has a ticket regardless of we put the show on or not they're getting a digital copy for themselves they'll be able to download it they'll own the film forever just because not one person has asked for a refund we are still sold out um so it's interesting there is an actual documentary being done right now um they don't want their names announced right now um, because sometimes these documentaries fall through, and they said, listen, this is our first documentary, but we want to do a documentary on the documentarians that did the film on the documentary on Elsa, yeah. because they had heard that the film was cursed. They had heard that things had happened on set. They had heard all these things in the film, and, and it has. I mean, I can I can 100% attest to the idea that there is something dark on that set. There's something dark within that story, and I know that sounds kind of goofy, but it's, it's the truth. Anybody that's worked on the set will tell you that, weird things happen to them and their personal lives and the lives of the set and stuff like that so the same forces are at work that prevented people from getting the truth about elsa they're still here and yeah and so we're really tying that in into the film and so there's a lot of real hard-hitting um with cast and crew interviews that we've added in the film so are are you planning
1: on doing anything special on march 20th which is the anniversary
2: Yeah, we're going to release my interview to the crew of the documentary. It's about a 10-minute... It's basically me just... It's a teaser. It's a diatribe of all the events that happened in the the six years we've been filming the film. Even from, you know, the paper that, you know, did the front cover. We got the front cover, and they never did another article again because they folded. So their last cover is of the film. And it's just like... On March 13th, we find out that we can't do our film. That a pandemic has hit America, and that we canceled our film. There are things that just perpetuate it, and perpetuate it, and then you get to a point where it's like, you know, coincidence. I can only have so much coincidence. This is becoming something that's very weird. So, stepping away from the film, bringing new blood in, and looking at the film from a from a perspective, and keeping enough distance between the director, the story that I have, and the story that the editor wants to tell. Because those are two different things. Directors oh. should never edit their work, ever.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I, a lot of people say that. What about the limp Brewery uh, falling down?
2: It was terrible. It was a tragedy. I was actually there uh, about three years ago with a structural engineer, a good buddy of mine. We were looking at some space um, to to have an actual studio. We ended up going on Olive Street and getting the studio. But we were there, and my buddy came in and said, he's, he literally looked at me and said, this place is going to fall down they don't do anything brick he said he said it like this he said listen you got iron and you got brick and if you don't take care of brick it's dust and eventually you know you have so many things happening with 55 and people don't realize that all that movement from those trucks and that sound and them going over that bridge and going over it and going over it and sending those tremors constantly toward that building hitting that face and that's exactly what's, and more of it's going to happen if they don't do anything about it. I believe the building at this point, and, and St. Louis won't do it, but the the limp Brewery should, the Fire Marshal should really take a long, hard look at that building. You got people living in there that shouldn't be living in there. It's a hazard in my opinion. So they should take a, a hard look of it. And and some areas of that place should be condemned. And I hate to say that, but we really have to protect lives, especially on Cherokee. And, mm-hmm. and we have to protect that brewery. I mean, that is a for some it's 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 our history it's it's a gateway families you know and and so it was a it was a travesty to see that happen but to some of us that were in that building it was not a surprise i'm just glad that that didn't happen at halloween when they do the tours because that was right on top of the tunnels where they go underneath for the haunted houses
0: yeah i was only there once were you there carl
2: i i have
0: been there yes oh it's very creepy i i just woo, i just yeah. didn't want to go back but i they were all worn and after that fell everybody was saying well we knew that was going to happen for years and yep so it happened you mentioned joel king um he's a um mm-hmm. uh, he's a oh, outstanding theater artist and i mm-hmm. thought he had moved so is he joel is in
2: atlanta, atlanta. okay yeah, yeah, he did. He did he move was to Georgia
0: age things here.
2: He was he was doing a great some great stuff. And I think he had um, his brother actually is getting married soon. Um, one of his brothers uh, who was actually in um, he's, a, he's still a good acquaintance of mine. And I see Bryce Green. Bryce Green was actually in that production. Bryce Green's been doing his own thing with rap and hip hop in the city of St. Louis. So that, I met all these guys. Zachary Clark met all these guys on that stage of um, I am real life. And it's nice to see Jason Little was another one. Um, who actually played Malcolm in in, *An Honorable. So you're seeing a lot of young black talent come up through the ranks in St. Louis. And that's the stuff we just really need to be focusing on right now. You know, we just- Yeah,
0: for the theater crawl about two years ago, they did that uh, imaginary play um, where it's Malcolm, it's not Malcolm X, it's Martin Luther King and somebody else talking.
1: Isn't it the Malcolm X and Martin Luther King in a bar?
0: It's- uh... Yeah, they're I not think- in a bar, but they're. I can't. No, Are I they can't in remember. A I should not. I should not have brought this up because now <laughs> I'm totally. It's isn't it called the mountaintop?
1: I think that I think you're. I think you're right because I think I, I vaguely know what what you're speaking because because it's based on a fictional meeting that right, didn't happen. Right. Even though even though they had they'd met a couple times, but they but this is based on a. This is based on something that didn't happen.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Joel had come back to town and was trying to get things going and, and he, his group did it in a church during the crawl. Everything in my memories on Facebook is now things I saw a year ago, you yeah, know, yeah. like theater I saw a year ago. So it's been a year since I covered things and it's kind of sad, but you can't dwell on it. You cannot no, you dwell can't, on I mean. it because the most important thing is safety. Yeah. Right. And
1: well,
0: one that, of the th- you know, one right. of the things people are forgetting is that you shouldn't be in crowds and you shouldn't be in poorly ventilated areas.
1: It, but safety and uh, bettering your life leads us perfectly into our next film which is Minari, which has oh. finally been released in St. Finally, Louis finally. and worldwide.
0: We were going to review it a couple months ago and then we found out it wasn't planned. <laughs>
1: Even though it did debut in Sundance more than a year ago, right? It's produced by A24 and Plan B Entertainment. So Brad Pitt really know his his production company really does pick good movies.
0: They do, they do. I got to meet some of his Plan B crowd at uh, when they did the the big thing with the Q and A with uh, Timothy Timothy Chalamet. And you
1: mean the star from the car commercial? <laughs>
0: And uh, and Nick chef at the high point when I was the moderator of the Q&A. And I got to uh, talk to some of the Plan B people and they didn't know that Brad was from Springfield, Missouri, these young assistants. And they were like, oh, so he's a big deal around here. <laughs>
2: yeah, his brother, his brother looked just like him. Well, I
1: everything uh, I, I this was in my top five last year and me too and. It's just, it's an American story, even though most of it's in Korean. And they moved from California to Arkansas, not speaking a lot of English. And Stephen Yun is fantastic. He even is so he's, good. He's not the star of the film. The star of the film is the little boy. And oh they, my
0: God, that little boy. He's the Jacob Trembly of this year's award uh, season. Uh, if he Alan, gets to-
1: Alan Kim is his name. And he has a, he has a condition. And so instead of having him in smoggy California, they move to Arkansas because the dad has an idea that he's going to grow Korean vegetables and, and have a farm. It is it is weird. And then his wife, played by Han Yiri, uh her mother comes and joins us, and you might have heard her name, Yun Yajung. She is winning all the awards,
0: including the St. Louis Film Critics Best Supporting Actress Award.
1: She is great. And it, it the, what's great about it is first, you don't like her. You do not like the well, she has involved. no
0: filter. She has no filter and neither does the little boy.
1: Uh, and, and she's in love with Mountain Dew.
0: <laughs> well, they actually think it's it's uh, it's healthy. Right. I saw a QA and a with the director and the cast. Uh, Lee Isaac Chung based this on his childhood memories and it has these wonderful series of vignettes and he said his dad (laughs) really thought Mountain Dew was from the mountains and it was good for you so that's so cute I just love that little kid stomping around in his cowboy boots Mm -hmm. he just thinks those are you know those are it and the kid's assimilate very well because the, even though they're living in this small town they go to uh the local church and it's not like they're uh, shunned they're welcomed warmly into this and, But a lot family. of the kids
1: and kids being kids don't know how to act around I mean one guy's like will you be my friend and then they won't they they're afraid for their children's safety one because the the boy has a medical condition and he also pees the bed and The girls, the girl, they don't they don't know the children don't know they're being racist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, they've just never seen kids like that before. But they eventually the one little boy, um, he has a sleepover and it's just adorable how they teach each other different customs. And it's really (sighs) funny, you know, and the dad, I guess the mom and dad are split up or divorced and the dad's like don't tell your mom you know <laughs> don't well, tell I
1: them. thought they were working like I don't I think they were working separate shifts it oh, was, okay. it's 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 because it's a very low income town
0: right it's a, it's just in the middle of the no, nowhere and the wife is having none of it and so he she and Jacob who is Stephen Young, they have a shaky marriage and they have to travel really far to go to this hospital for the little boy to see a specialist And uh, he's got
1: a heart issue,
0: right? And he uh, the dad is quite the entrepreneur thinking forward. And he goes into this Korean grocery store and makes a deal to sell vegetables. So he brings it because he gives them a sample of what they grow. Minari, the movie title is it's uh, so like vegetable. a celery. Yeah, it's like a celery stalk, but it's also considered an herb. It has an herbal flavor like parsley, and it goes into a lot of Korean dishes. And it's very hearty and resilient. And it, it grows grow like a weed. And the grandma grew it. Well,
1: but, but it's 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 you have to find it grows like a weed, but you have to find the right place. And grandma found finds a perfect place for it to be grown. And so it's. It's very. It's that is. Yeah, I don't want to ruin any surprises because the movie is full of surprises. And it is, all, and not of all of them are good.
0: No, no. We there's this one explosive thing. I I tell people it's a very gentle film. There's no big fireworks. There's no big. Uh, you know, it's just a one well, there is one. one major. Well, yeah, but I'm just talking about, you know, it's a very gentle unfolding story. It's a family it's story. A it's a sweet about- movie what a family means when they first move into that, that all ramshackle trailer and the dad's like, let's all sleep on the floor together. And you know, the mom's like Monica's
1: (laughs) like, uh, no.
0: Yeah. And then there is a scene where they're all sleeping on the floor together and it's just so heartbreaking and, and it's just warm and heartfelt. And at first the little boy doesn't want the grandma to live with them, but then they form this tight bond. And if anybody's had a good relationship, with a grandma or a grandpa, you will be able to identify with that that bond. And it's just really sweet. I like the little s- touches.
1: When you've seen uh, all these things with the filmmakers and the cast, have they said if uh, Will Patton's Paul is based on somebody real?
0: Yeah, the director said people think that this character's made up. And he said it was actually his father's friend in the town. It's this very Pentecostal guy
1: Every Sunday, he drags the cross down the road and the kids make fun of him.
0: Right. And it's Will Patton. But he's he's very loyal to this family and he helps the dad out because there's a water issue.
1: Well, because he thinks he he thinks God has sent him to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's his
1: mission. The Lord has sent him on a mission to help this family.
0: So Lee Isaac Chung said that Uh, Stephen Young was on uh, Colbert the other night and he has a He was at Second City in a touring company. He has an improv background. And Stephen Young is fantastic. He is. He was talking about his family had a similar story. Not that they were in the middle of nowhere, but he's first, uh, you know, he's
1: first generation
0: generation Korean American. And he said his dad sat next to him at Sundance. So he said it was just really surreal how that was. But I just recommend this movie. And uh, one of the film critics, said this is the movie we need right now and that's the one that's being on the ads that's being promoted and if you think about it it really is a nice little break (laughs) even though it's about challenges but it's about what makes a home for a family and and what what it means to be a family
1: well he he grew up in South Korea for the first five years of his life then they moved to canada and then they moved to michigan so he he was right on this same trajectory as the little boy but he's he's you know through and through american and so him since he's been in english speaking country since he was five he doesn't have a korean accent but he can speak korean but his broken english in this movie is amazing It, it, it it's just unbelievable how you can fake know, not knowing your own language. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful performance.
0: It is. He really did a good job. And the wife is, even though they don't they don't portray her as a villain, even though she's n- desperately unhappy. <laughs>
1: she does not want to be there. No, she, she likes de- being in California. And this is you might get confused because the word sexting is mentioned. But since it's the 80s, it's actually them. Uh, look, picking up chicks and throwing away the ones that they don't want. They don't they don't want the males. Right. Right. So and then you find out what they do with them, which is also kind of sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a poultry factory in Arkansas that they they are both employed at and that they did that in California. So but it's it's a just I don't know. I just tell people to just go with it, just to see it. it.
1: It's, it's really good. And you will you'll feel better after watching it.
0: Right. It's a slow build. I will say that. But it, and it sneaks up on you.
1: It does. Um, speaking of movies that sneak up on you, I was um, I was curious about the map of Tiny Perfect Things, and I because it is a time loop movie. And even though I one of my favorite movies last year was a time loop movie, Palm Springs. This one Same. is different. This yeah, one, it, it is different. It's based on a short story, uh, by the uh by Ian Samuels. He wrote the screenplay. Oh,
0: for um, the- no, no, oh, it's no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Grossman. Ian, Sam-
1: Ian yeah. Samuels directed the movie. Right. It's a. It's based on a short story by Lev Grossman, who wrote the uh screenplay as well. And it was a short story. And he, uh Lev Grossman, he is a science fiction writer. He wrote The Magicians which oh. they made into, uh, films also. Um, or was it television? It does. It, it was made, it was produced. <laughs> uh, and it's also produced by Akiva Goldman, who yes, I saw is, that. is, um, Lonely Island. Well, also, um, uh, he did the Dan Brown movies with Ron Howard and he was nominated because he, uh uh nominated for best screenplay. He wrote uh Beautiful Mind.
0: That's and, right. And oh, this... he isn't the Lonely Island guy. That's, no, that's another Yeah. The one you are is 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 got uh, some chops in uh prestige movies.
1: Writing and well he wrote Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. We won't we won't talk about those, but he also did like Cinderella Man and he was like a big part of fringe and he he's an actor and he's a producer and a writer and a director. But he is um, he's he produced this one because, you know, Lev Grossman and Ian Samuels did this and people talk about they don't talk about Palm Springs because I'm guessing, you know, no one knows about it at the time that they were filming filming this. But they do talk a lot about Groundhog Day because they they give you a baseline of this is Groundhog Day and live, die, repeat. And they don't talk about any other movies, but they do when when they need to use shorthand, they say, oh, you mean like Groundhog Day? And they say yes. And they also right. talk well, about Groundhog live... Day
0: was early 90s. So I know, these... but
1: live... no, this is the sixth place, like right around now. And right. Uh, but and they also teenagers. talk about but but these are teenagers. And so they know uh, live, die, repeat slash edge of tomorrow. But and one of them, one of the kids in the movie calls it one name. And because, you know, and I, I liked live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. What whatever movie title that they use with Tom Cruise. I thought that was I thought it was well done because, you know, it's it's a time loop movie. And this right. one, this 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 one starts off different at the beginning because this one, you're already into it. You, you, you're not starting at the be, you're not seeing, hey, this is the first time this has happened to me. No, it's a guy named Mark played by a newcomer called uh, his name is Kyle Allen. And he he's well into this. You don't know how long he's been into it, but he's got the routine down because, you know, he every day he wakes up and he does the he he stops somebody from getting hit by a car. He stops somebody from getting pooped on. He say he his mission at this time is to stop this pretty girl he sees at the pool from getting hit hit on the head with the beach ball. And so he's trying to sleep with her. So <laughs> but it, it's PG-13. There's only one F-bomb. But one day. Uh, someone stops him from trying to get laid, and it is Catherine Newton as Margaret, who also is in this time loop. And yeah,
0: and uh, she was in Freaky. She and, is in uh, Freaky, she's developing and and they have a wonderful chemistry together. Yes, they do. Kyle Allen is going to be in the Spielberg remake of West Side Story. He is. He took ballet for years.
1: Well, How about uh, you, that. Catherine Newton, uh, we've talked about her. She was in Lady Bird. She's she's the dead girl in uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. She was in Blockers and uh, she was on Halt and Catch Fire, too. And she was uh, in Big Little Lies.
0: Right. She was Reese Witherspoon's daughter. That was so cynical and did not like her
1: she is fantastic in this I'm not I'm, I'm overusing that she's really good in this movie she and is uh, she
0: has more secrets he's more open she has more secrets but the dialogue I like that that uh, witty banter that they have and they're very modern kids mm-hmm. they have all these pop culture references you know shorthand like kids do his friend I thought the beginning because it's a small town, they filmed mm-hmm. it in Fairhope, Alabama, which is the same town that's in Our Friend, which is weird that it's uh-huh. the same town. So, but I thought the whole beginning montage where the kids go and you know getting ready for school, and he's on his bike, and he's preventing all this stuff from happening, and that's cute
1: because it just it shows, the, it shows you, you in one little scene that he's been in this time loop. A long time,
0: right? It kind of reminded me of the beginning of Hairspray when she sings "Good Morning, Baltimore," but it's not as raunchy with uh, them. Well, but you know that that cute little montage.
1: His dad is Josh Hamilton, who was the
0: dad in eighth grade, right? And he's still a befuddled dad, and and he said, "I wish I wouldn't have gotten the day where my dad decides to give me the talk."
1: Well, it's it's not the sex talk; it's the talk about his future. And and where because he's an artist and he wants to go to art school. So every day he draws and he's getting better and better. And one day his dad's like, you're getting really good. Maybe this art school thing might be a thing for you, because, you know, if you're in the time loop and he 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 has figured it out, he wakes up uh, at a certain he only has 16 hours every day. So he budgets out what he's going to do every day and she budgets out what she's going to do every day. And her story is a little different than her than his
0: story. Right. Well, he ha- he's supposed to be in algebra summer school, but <laughs> he has found a way to only go twice.
1: Well, it's well, he only has to go on the very last day. And his his teacher. It's very funny. Uh, if Dan Buffer was here, I'd say his teacher is Al Madrigal from The Daily Show, but also in the he's a teacher in The Way Back, too. So Al, Al Madrigal is now getting typecast as high school teacher. Ah, but Things happen. In, it's only 99 minutes, right? And, it's
0: very tidy. It's very and, tidy. And
1: I, oh, I so want to talk to people about something that happens in the third act, but it is so well done. And as Frankie was talking earlier about getting from a to B, th- that's what this movie is getting because, you know, in all time loop movies, you have to find a way to get out. And Palm Springs did it differently than anybody else. This one is, is good for it's good for teenagers because it's like they they even reference once again shorthand shorthand for groundhogs day they say well if you have to do he had to become a better person this one is teaching children and teenagers a lesson and i don't want to get into it anymore cuz i feel i would spoil it because once i figured out and you can you fig you can figure out what's going on pretty easily i mean they're not trying to hide it even though she has a whole bunch of secrets. Once you figure out what's going on, it's enlightening and heartbreaking at the same time.
0: Oh, well, it's a very charming. I recommend it. It dropped on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon
1: Prime right now.
0: So uh, head there if you want to just, it's just charming and delightful. And yeah, you know, of all the
1: movies that are dropping today, I would recommend Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Over anything else, and it's that a includes cleanser. Judah. Well, it, it, because Judah and the Black Messiah is just going to wear you out, and it was unsatisfying. A Map of Tiny Perfect Things is a cute little movie, and I, I and you'll feel good after watching it, even though some you your heartstrings might get torn a little bit. But it's cute. Enjoyed. I I mean, for sure, definitely. Uh, on February 26th, when you have video on demand watch Minari but
0: yeah I meant to but, say but that, that's that, the, that it's Minari only in theaters in theaters now but it's going to be on demand February 26th
1: but it, of all the things that are streaming today and that's only because they didn't show us Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar but they want us to promote it they, they want us to talk about it but they weren't going to show it to us
0: it looks terrible from the clip I don't
1: sense. think so I I heard it's going to be an instant classic
0: okay well then, why didn't they show to us?
1: <laughs> Lynn, Lynn is not convinced.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, then here,
1: tell us, tell us about a movie that pulled at your heartstrings and made you sad. The movie that is out right now called Land.
0: Okay, this is Robin Wright's directorial debut, and it premiered at the recent Sundance Film this Festival. This year, this year's yes, Sundance. the virtual one. And now it is out on theaters, in theaters. And she plays a woman who has had this devastating loss, her husband and her son. We don't know what happened to them until the end, but she pretty it much wasn't wants good. to- good,
1: how's that?
0: Yeah, she just wants to curl up and just die. Her sister is Kim Dickens, the character actress. And uh, she's trying to save her. She's like, please don't hurt yourself. So she decides she's going to chuck everything. She moves to this primitive cabin in Wyoming. And uh, I'm talking outhouse in the back, primitive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she cleans it up and everything. She gives, uh, she tosses her cell phone. She asks the guy to take the rental car back. She is totally isolated. And she is unprepared for the harshness of a mountain winter and things go from bad to worse, and she uh, winds up without any heat. Something happened with the wood burning stove, and so she's freezing to death. And just so happens, Damien Bashir just waltzes in her cabin with a nurse. What? Uh, Yeah. Okay. There's a a little contrived things in this and a little couple of little cliches. And what happened was he said he was on his way back from hunting and he didn't see any smoke because he didn't see any smoke in her chimney when he he was going hunting.
1: The place was abandoned.
0: Yeah. And then he did. So they, they walk in and save her. So she
1: heard the, the malaise she's in or.
0: Well, they got to get her back to health. um, And so she has to tried to kill herself. No, it just was. um, She didn't have any heat and and it was just terrible. And she just, you know, kind of goes into a. Kim Uh... Dickens,
1: speaking of, you know, Minari and The Walking Dead with Steven Yeun, uh, Kim Dickens, she was on Fear the Walking Dead for the first four seasons. Ah, and.
0: And she's and good. She
1: was, the, she was the detective in Gone Girl.
0: Yeah, she's really good. Yeah. Uh so anyway, she's up there by herself. There's a lot of close-ups of her in Anguish. And I'm not making fun <laughs> of Anguish or, or Pain, but this is a woman alone in a cabin. So there's only so much you can do. You know? Is and it like so, a play? Pardon?
1: Is it like a is it like a boxed in play?
0: Well, it doesn't have much dialogue either. So uh, she, she, she has memories of her husband and son. It's, it's just, it's a just lot of really, it's just, yeah, it's just really sad. And so Damien Bashir happens to be a lost soul too. He has lost his wife and daughter in a car accident. She's very private. Like she has to communicate with him because they're trying to be nice and bring her back to health and she's reluctant and she won't divulge too much about herself. But uh, she also just holds everybody at arm's length, but they have a nice relationship and bond. And then he all of a sudden starts not coming over to see her. She finally walks to town. So she takes baby steps. They're hard fought. She starts putting pictures up of her son and her husband and uh, things like that. But it's it's so contrived this thing that happens in the third act that is just like really really Oh, well, that we are going to go here this is how we're going to wrap things up so i don't know and robin so right a love story no robin not at all robin he doesn't save her she has to save herself but then who knows you know i mean it's hard i mean grief is a very personal thing but i think because we've been through self-quarantining uh, in the pandemic and also collective grief about the 450,000 people that have died in America. I think it's relatable. So so that's that's one of the things. And then Robin Wright, she's good because she's Robin, Wright, Princess Bride for Princess Gump. Bride.
1: She's for she's Forrest Gump's muse,
0: right? She's been in Jenny. And then uh, Clara Underwood in House of Cards. So she was she was the president of the United States. you know. Right. So so now,
1: now would this movie work better in a theater? Because, you know, oh, they yeah. keep showing the vast land of land,
0: which is beautiful. I mean, it's Wyoming. Well, it's really Alberta, Canada is where they <laughs> filmed it.
1: Bobby Burkowski is the cinematographer.
0: Right. They use Big Sky Country. As a wonderful backdrop. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Of course, it's going to be gorgeous. And she traipses around a lot, and it's the seasons, they change. It is only 88 minutes. So it's very economical. Frankie,
1: you're almost there, buddy.
0: (laughs) Just like
2: like the budgets. I just think of like (laughs) if you had
1: the budget just for that outside shot, you could make it 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, exactly. I can make a film that you would like.
1: No, you are you are making a film that people are gonna like.
2: We have a couple of films in the tank right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. So, so it's just you know, it's just one of those where um I have different views. Kent loved it. Okay. Dan loved it. I just am lukewarm.
1: All right. Well, we didn't we didn't see the new Jodie Foster film, the Mauritanian. Uh, even though we've been begging, we've been begged to see it. I, I, heard, I was told not to watch it.
0: Well, and- I'm going to watch it this week. I was going to watch it. Um, I mean, this weekend, I have it on my list. I And so it's Jodie Foster, Shailene Woodley, Benedict Cumberbatch, using a Southern accent. It is
1: about you, Shailene. You mean the future Mrs. Aaron Rodgers?
2: Did he get canceled by Southern people for using a Southern accent? <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, and
2: then they, they it, were okay with his Doctor
1: Strange accent. They're not and then, mad about oh this. God.
0: And and then uh, the lead is to hear Armand Armin. He is from the movie A Prophet, which was so fantastic. Oh, that was a
2: good it's, movie. That was a great it movie. It was, yeah, and Prophet so was he awesome. was that guy. Profit was awesome.
0: So he is the the this is based on a true story. We the United States of America kept this guy in a prison camp.
1: They thought he was a 9-11 terrorist.
0: Yeah, we've uh, and we kept him there for six years without any trial or Guantanamo and. Finally, Jodie Foster decides she's going to represent him. And uh, she said, because of the rule of law, like, why have why are we holding this guy? We haven't given him due process or anything. So he's terrified because he thinks he's automatically going to die. Uh, He is he is um, cited as the guy that recruited the terrorists that went into the 9-11 attacks.
1: Well, you know how I feel about the Golden Globes, but uh, both. Tahar Rahim and Jodie Foster are nominated for actor and best supporting. Right, he,
2: and AARP
1: uh, said that she was best supporting actress. Uh, she's nominated for AARP best supporting actress too. So it's Jodie Foster and then, Foster. Uh, you and you then Benedict.
0: Less? Yeah, and then Benedict Cumberbatch plays the prosecutor, and his best friend was killed in the towers. Ah, uh, so, so he's he got has- uh, prejudice against this guy. So it goes into that. But it's based on the guy's book. Right. Guantanamo Diary. Right. And so it's it looks I watched the, pre, the trailer. And, <laughs> and it you looks, are going
1: to watch the movie.
0: I am. But I wanted to watch the trailer just to see what I was getting into and my you know. I mean, we've I've had this movie for a while, but then it was only it was got, going to come out in February. So I just kept pushing it back, pushing it back. And then this wasn't really a good week. There was a lot of movies to watch. I still have to watch the world to come.
1: That's that's got Catherine uh, Waterston, Vanessa Kirby, Christopher Abbott, Casey Affleck. It's a period piece on the American East Coast. And uh, it's like a Hatfield and McCoy kind of love story. Or, right. oh, or I love
2: Casey Affleck, though.
0: Or he's so, uh,
2: he's, he's so good in Romeo Our Friend. Juliet. Yeah. One, one guy I want to work with.
0: And uh, so, and Beth, Vanessa Kirby. Oh my God, is she headed for great things?
1: Yeah, I know you love her.
0: Yeah. Well, that. Well, one of the movies that Carl and I saw this week, and it's been in the news. So, Frankie, <laughs> you can chime in the two cents. Is the documentary. On FX and Hulu about Britney Spears. Now hold it, on a
1: second. Let's t- let's tell people wh- it's it's a New York. It's actually the sixth episode of the New York Times documentary series right. that they have on FX. And it's so called the New York one Times about, Presents. New York Times Presents. There's one about Brianna Taylor. There are several of them. This is the sixth one. I don't know if this is the last one. Uh, but it's called Framing Britney Spears. And here's how you can get it. If you have FX, you can get it on demand. If you have Hulu, you can get it streaming. So it is available because a lot of people are like, I don't know where to find this. Here's where you find it. If you have FX, and I want to commend FX, because if you if you get it on demand from FX, it comes with commercials. But the, all the commercials are are about mental illness. They're all PSAs for mental illness. So I want to commend FX for if you stream it, you get to learn about mental illness. Now, about the show that everyone has been talking about since it dropped a week ago.
0: Uh, Another thing I want to mention is I had a hard time finding it because I didn't know it was called New York Times Presents. But also I was looking under movies and it is under TV.
1: It's a a documentary. It's 70. Yeah, but it's under
0: TV. Yeah, because so, it's, a, it's part of it. It's like
1: small acts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so just be patient. You'll find it. But uh, what do you think about it, Carl? I was fascinated
1: by it there Me too. First of all, because they didn't have to recreate anything. And there were only a couple talking head interviews and those talking head interviews are amazing because of the two or three people that they got to speak. And, It's all news footage. It's all footage from the last 25 years because every moment of Britney Spears life has been documented. So if they need to do something from September 30th, 1999, they have that video from inside edition or entertainment tonight or the shot from people or us weekly. Oh, us weekly. Oh,
0: Oh, us weekly does not come across very well at all. And that photo editor, he's getting a lot of hate on Lauren.
1: yes and it they even talked to some paparazzi and the paparazzi the one paparazzi guy is like hey we, for a while we, it was a give and take relationship we know what we were doing and she knew what we were doing and she would let us take pictures but then once she started to as everyone says in the movie go crazy but we all know that she was having a mental breakdown um uh, And Michael Moore is the one that says that he's on. He's on with Larry King and Larry King is pitching it to Anderson Cooper. And Michael Moore's like, why can't we just leave her alone and let her get better? And that one line is getting Michael Moore a lot of love Uh, and a lot in a lot of ancillary things like Craig Ferguson refusing to do jokes. they, They they have Leno and Letterman doing jokes about her. And so I know we love Dave, but Dave was part of it too. And as I said on the radio this morning, no, it was yesterday. As I said on the radio this week, we are all a little bit responsible. If you ever thought or looked at a Britney Spears picture, oh my gosh, I need to see the picture of her with a shaved head. You are a part of the problem because this all fed because people wanted to see pictures of Britney Spears they wanted to see her have a meltdown and my daughter said why are you watching this and I said it's because it's it's fascinating
0: it is she was a small town girl from Louisiana and she was on star search and Ed McMahon was such a lech oh my god he's not
1: he's he's getting hate too
0: oh my god can I be your
1: boyfriend
0: Oh, but then she uh, but then she was on Mouseketeers and her family. Obviously, she was the cash cow for the family. And then in the 90s hit and she broke out huge. And I
1: love that they talk about the video for Hit Me Baby one more time. And that I remember being in my office as a 28 year old adult. Watching that video more than once because it that video was actually included on the CD that you bought it. If you put the CD in your computer, the video for one hit me one more time or baby one more time was on the CD, and it's, it's a fantastic. I'm movie. a
2: huge, just so you guys know, I'm a huge Britney Spears fan. I idolize, I love her, I always will love her. And it's unfortunate that so many people and it still happens today. We try to cancel people on top and or try to just knock them down a thousand paces. And we wanted them there. And then then we didn't want them there anymore. And it's amazing cool. how um, the media drove that story. And unfortunately, it's just like it, it, it the the Britney Spears debacle with her break of course she had a breakdown. Mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah it's so sad it's so sad
2: yeah the main man in her life the one that's supposed to protect her the one that she's supposed to model you know the husbands in her life after the ones that you know your first love is your dad that's the way it's supposed to be and this was a person there no it it wasn't there
1: for a long time until he until that way that he could get in
0: yeah that conservator well then uh uh you know she was very. she was you know queen of the tabloids and she married that high school kid and they do not even
1: uh, mention jason alexander i know they not, don't but not the not the hours. seinfeld actor but the guy she married
0: yeah 55 hours in vegas yeah, yeah. and they then don't even K mention said, that, that
1: there are so much here packed into 75 minutes that they don't even mention her, her brief marriage to jason alexander
0: no, but it sh- it doesn't paint Justin Timberlake in a good light. He apologized today and he link had he to apologized. apologize
1: today. But and you know what he it's long overdue. I have always said that Janet Jackson was not the villain of the Super Bowl. It was Justin Timberlake because he's, the you one. know, it's, it's nice. nice.
2: It's, it's actually nice to see The New York Times actually doing something that's worthy. Um, I don't feel that like they've done anything. But um, be judgment and and put their look down, you know, look down their nose at people. It's nice to see that they're trying to get some retribution for for a lot of different people. It's a good doc series. I'm sure they'll all be fired soon because they, you know, they exposed or canceled a celebrity that wasn't supposed to be canceled, or however they're doing it. In their Mm -hmm. their weird, like it just feels like we're in that movie. Do you remember that movie with Tom with um with Tom Cruise and? what is it eyes wide shut it just feels like <laughs> it just feels like a lot of that is like all the media and it's all of them i'm not just cornering one it's just like right. wow man get out of people's lives they are not the character they play on a show they have well,
0: oh, oh. well the way she was treated and a lot of celebrities are getting behind her and you know there's the free britney movement oh god right. yeah um uh, her well, they, dad they don't
1: even mention they don't even mention that kid that said leave britney alone that became famous because of that and he was right 10, he was. Yeah, ago. he
0: was. And oh, that awful Paris Hilton and all those people that are bottom. Feeders. Uh, yeah. So there's a ton of men. And that Sam, that was her manager. That Oh, just all these people took Sam so Lufty. much advantage of her. And I'm glad the women that are the talking heads that worked with her are speaking out her her because, first her
1: first handler. Right. Uh, she was she that's a heartbreaking
0: story, too. Right. And also because um, you can
1: tell that she really cares for her. Her name's is Felicia uh, Collada and right. you can tell that they've had a long standing relationship and that she really cares because she wouldn't have kept all that stuff.
0: No, she was like a chaperone to, to Brittany because Jamie Lynn, her sister named after both parents yeah, um, was in school and the parents had to stay in Louisiana. Now, none of the family cooperated with this film.
1: But you know what? They really don't talk about Jamie Lynn at all.
0: No, they show the brother.
1: I, well, th- That's in one scene, but th- they don't talk about like how she was a she was a, a Nickelodeon star. She, right. she was she was a big deal.
2: Yeah. And that's I, the thing, too. Like, that's why we have to protect, the, the, you know, for even if it is New York Times, which I despise. But you have to protect the First Amendment live because what's happening now is that and you'll see it over the next couple of days, is all the libel suits are going to start. and unfortunately. There is no libel when you can prove it.
1: Right. That's why that's why most of the things that they're talking about. They besides, besides the talking heads are these were news stories.
0: Yeah, right. Well, this is um, yeah. uh, this movie or this documentary dropped of uh, February 5th. And since then, there's just been an explosion on social media. And that's why uh, Justin Timberlake apologized today on his Instagram account. And uh, yesterday, the courts ruled in her favor. Really about the conservatorship that her dad uh, is stopped from getting the checks for her business. Like she well, because because said-
1: she wanted the she wanted the bank to be in charge of her money. And right. they said, yes, you can have the bank, but your dad is still going to be part of it. And so now the bank
0: is in charge of her right. money. Because what happened is a couple of years ago, she,
1: she hired a lawyer. Back.
0: She, went to vegas and had a residency and she was making tons of money again. they said
1: a million dollars a week
0: she was making a lot of money and then her dad was in charge of her he money. Got,
1: he no he he put it in the thing that he would get 1.5 percent of grosses and merch and, and uh and so, so you know then the, she, frankie yeah. knows the merch is where the money <laughs> So I mean, George Lucas said, knows
2: more than anybody. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: And then he said, he said that uh, he would. Um, no, she said that she would no longer perform.
1: No, no, until, she's not going to do anything. She's she hasn't released an album in five years.
0: No, she said, I'm not going to do anything till my dad is no longer in charge of my money. Right. And, and that's just really said so she's trying to be a normal person. She does show clips on her Instagram account every day, right? Like dancing and things. And oh, I know a lot of people, she's
1: still very fit at what, 39 years old,
0: 39. Yeah, she's 39. So I want uh, to I just we're meant
2: to be just so But knows. like, I, I just I can, think I can, uh, when w- the
0: way everybody's feeling now, <laughs> I think that was way like Anna Nicole Smith, her meltdown. I mean, it was just sad. And John Stewart was like, would somebody just stop the camera and help her? Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. Yeah. You know, what
1: is that? The paparazzi, the guy, the guy that uh, she beat up his truck with her umbrella, he said, hey, I'm just going to take some pictures, but I want to know, are you OK? He was. And that's what drove her to attack. He was just she was tired of people saying, are you OK? And well, I, I don't want to speak for her, but that's that's what it looks uh, like, because he you have him on camera saying asking questions that you know that you wouldn't think because it was it was just the two of them and then of course he also said and i made a lot of money that day because as she's beating the hell out of his truck he took was taking pictures the entire time
2: yeah yeah. it it is strange when you look at the this you know it gets back to like you know my backgrounds in art and the gestalt theory right it's the the sum the, the whole of its parts makes up the sum and and britney comes into the spotlight right she's she's a star search kid she's a disney kid she she works in her way into the limelight and she becomes a superstar right but not like a superstar like madonna right not like a superstar like cindy Lauper, but one that is like loved by everyone everybody loved britney um and if you didn't you were the weirdo and so you
1: if you like if you like the pop music and if you were a guy or a gay teen right she she checked off a lot of boxes. Sure. And well, so the
0: toxic is now used in Promising Young Woman. I knew you were going to say
1: that and that, that that is such a good needle drop when they play toxic and promising young woman. Oh, such a good scene yeah
0: Yeah. i mean
2: also i mean you look at like when you when you get into what's happening now is like if you get if you get one of them right like okay justin timberlake apologized right okay we got him there are so many more a part of that equation but you're also coming from old establishment old establishment hollywood old establishment entertainment yeah where's where's
1: where's diane sawyer's apology Oh exactly.
2: yeah, she needs to apologize. Exactly. Does.
1: Matt Lauer's not going to apologize because he's got? He, that's not that's not high on his <laughs> list of apologies.
2: No, he's one of the no, first. he's persons. got
0: so many. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of this? Okay, so cancel culture has been very active lately, and Morgan Wallen, the country music yeah. star, mm-hmm. uh, was <laughs> he caught went on-
1: online and told people to stop defending him.
0: Yeah, I saw that today. Uh, so anyway, he was caught by a neighbor being drunk and racist and country music people went spaz saying, oh, this isn't the first time.
1: No. Now, hold on a second. You're wrong about that. It was the women of country. That OK. Went yes. After him. OK. The women of country, the men silent or, yeah. or noticeably silent. And right. I, and there might be some, but I didn't see any. It was most it was like Maren Morris and it was the only the only black woman to ever get a country Grammy, uh, right? And it was that
0: Kelsey. What, what's her Kelsey name? Kelsey Ballerini. Yeah.
1: Well, but it was mostly country women that came out. I mean, I mean, of course they all, if asked, they all said, "Oh, that's horrible. That's that's not what country is." And then the ke- women from country are like, "Uh, yeah, it is."
2: I mean, I mean, you're God in country, right? And sometimes that doesn't apply to skin color. But so. but
1: and but that was that was the thing. <laughs> One of the countrywomen said and I I wish I could credit her, but this is just something I remember because this was two weeks ago. She said I've gotten drunk and jumped off a thirty foot pier. I've never gotten drunk and just casually dropped an N bomb. So Yeah.
2: Well, there there's the there's the paradigm, right? Where if it's good for one, it's good for all, right? It's in, and they always have this defense. And I think that's why he really came out. I'm not a fan of him in general. I, I don't think he's even that good. I, I think he's a, he's a, he, you know, he had a couple of decent songs, but he, he's not a Kenny Chesney. He's not a Jason Aldean. He's a, he's, a, he got lucky and it shows his immaturity. Uh, when you say the N word, like, I don't like it from anyone. I don't care. No, I'm
0: like, very uncomfortable with it at any particular I hate time. It. I,
2: when Ice Cube comes on Bill Maher and says that they own that word. No, you don't own that word. That word is derogatory at any sense of it, even if it's familiarity. I think that's the biggest crock. And we really have to start standing. You ask any of the professors that I worked with that are African-American or Jamaican. They or don't Haitian, like it. They hate it. Because it's uneducated, it's intel, it's unintellectual, it's ignorant, and it's not a way to show or talk to your friend. It's not a way to sh- respect your friend and what it's for. That word was used to um, a race that believed that humans, because they were a different color, were inferior. And and so, over the last couple years, we've destroyed the word racism. Everything's racist, so racism doesn't hold water anymore when you're called that. And you see this now with the, the lasting of an N word, you know, is this guy, is this, so that comes down to the point of the cancel culture, right? Is this guy forgivable? Is he forgivable? Can he, can he return to his job He's a in some instances, you, you know, in some instances, yeah, I think he can. And in other instances, I think that you, you pay a, you pay a price, you pay a heavy toll um, for that type of malarkey and that type of, you know, I don't, I grew up in Miami and in Miami, Florida, and the word, the N word is not even a, it's not even a black thing there. No. It's a Spanish thing. Spanish guys say it all the time. Um, You have different multiculturals in Miami saying it. They just drop it like it's nothing. And when I was a child, when I was coming up, I I used to say it all the time too, because it was just part of the culture. And when I moved to St. Louis. Don't say it here. It's a very different atmosphere. Don't say it at all. <laughs> just don't say it at really? all. Just don't say, I, you know, we've been toying with the idea of doing some horror films. And I would just love, I mean, just look at where Jordan Peele is in, in his life too. You know, what he's doing and what he's trying to cultivate. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I think that there are, there are reasons that whatever you want to call it, cancel or somebody lost their job. When you look at the comment that Roseanne Barr had, mm-hmm. you know, this was a person that had nine seasons on TV where she battled the toughest of the eighties and nineties, homosexuality, black, multicultural couples, uh, women's rights. She was a person that wrote in her show, some That's of the awesome. toughest Yes. Classism, the toughest arguments and for her to be canceled and lose everything over all the good she did because she was, she was drinking while on a very, very powerful drug Mm -hmm. that there is an instance right there where that person should not be canceled. That's a person that has said she was sorry. She knows it was bad. She, this is a person that's given so much of her life to women's rights and gay rights. And just to see her like, the Connors and it's just terrible what they did in that instance. And then you have, of course, the star Wars debacle, which is just another thing where it's like, you know, if you, if you're in a show, are you not allowed to have a life? Are you not allowed to have free speaking? Cause I'll tell you who's next. I'll tell you who has a target on their back is Chris Pratt They're waiting, waiting for him. Cause he's a Christian and he's an open Christian. They're waiting for him. They're waiting to cancel that one, man.
1: But see, here's what I, I actually, I, I think they Here's what's going on. Chris Pratt, I think, had it when they did the Who's Your Least Favorite Chris? And he got he got that. And so he, I think he's pulled back from that a lot. Also, I think Cara Dune from The Mandalorian, uh, I think that she had been given a chance and was given a talking to, because all this stuff happened with her months ago. And yeah. then she pulled back and all the talk went away. And then she did the whole Holocaust thing again. And they said, all right, we told you. I I would almost guarantee she had a talking to several months ago. And, it, and I guarantee that somebody at her agency said, you got to stop with this or else they're going to fire you. And yeah. what happened after Lucasfilm dropped her? Her agency dropped her, too. So no, she, and it's, she was uh, warned and she continued and it, she was also somebody sent me a meme today that said, uh, next episode of the Mandalorian Cara Dune didn't wear a mask. Therefore she died.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of them out there right now that are funny on that. You know, not the bee is doing some good ones. Ben Shapiro had a very strong argument, um, about her today. And he really went through the tweet that she had and I kind of side with Ben on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think anytime, the the biggest problem I have with it whether I mean my entire tattoo is Disney. So it's very hard for me to talk ill of Disney. The issue with with Disney in and of itself is you have to go back to their mission statement. Their mission statement is make people happy. Now whether you believe that it was wrong that she lost her job or whether you believe that she should have kept her job, Disney attests to those three words, make people happy. And if that's making somebody unhappy, then they have to do it across the board. Because you can what pick to out James Gunn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, 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 well, uh, and uh, Gina, Gina oh, uh, Carino might come back to the Mandalorian. We don't know.
2: We don't know. Because but James, James Gunn, Gunn is an abusive an abusive man that was petitioned from the, the entire creators that that they bring him back. Like somebody, right. somebody wanted to express and wanted him to work again. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, how can you correct cancel culture? I think it's good that Gunn came back. I know it's a great meme right now, but... Maybe he could learn from the mistake. Why can't we make mistakes anymore? Why can't we say things when we're drunk and be like, "Man, I'm really sorry. That was a stupid thing to say," and we forgive people? And the reason I think, why I think
1: Gina Carino had she multiple. She, well, yeah, this wasn't her, this wasn't her first uh, alt right no. thing. She she done this oh for a while.
2: Well, she well, also Disney had the trans
0: abhorrent.
2: She had the the trans. Uh, argument as well trans athlete are, are so there is definitely like a you don't go against gays in disney that's just something you right. just don't do you don't go against the LGBT. that's a line that you're uh, you not know, gonna ever you know pass that
1: every disney prince <laughs> at the theme parks is a gay man did yeah. you not know that
2: <laughs> yeah so it's just like you just don't there are certain areas in certain waters you don't tread in i think that you also have a responsibility to um to children uh, it's the same thing that happened to me. It, actually, if you go into the whole reason why I'm on here is the podcast that I'm doing now called Haunted Garage. Well, the, garage. <laughs> yeah, Haunted, and Haunted, actually, Haunted Garage, yeah. Haunted actually, Horror Festival. Actually we were going to get to it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good segue because, like, let's do we, it. We had some. We had some. Let's just put it this way: very choice words on a podcast called Graveyard Shift, which we've now deprecated and removed all episodes because we. Um, the partners at, at Shift, although we, we have, and we've talked about this a bunch of time, very different thinking, different spiritualities, and we all get along and we all vibe on the set. At the same time, we do realize that sometimes our opinions can hurt, um, whether they're subjective or objective. They can hurt the people that we care about, regardless of where they are on a party line. And so we really had to deprecate a lot of the stuff that we were doing, and it's out there. Um, so I want to say it. And my PR people, um, aside from Julie Lally, um, you know, want me to not talk about it. But I do want to talk because I think it's important. I think it's important that we that we say we're sorry when we've said things that could have offended somebody. Regardless of where you stand on the issue, if it hurts somebody and that was your intent, then it's malicious. And so we yes. didn't want to do that anymore. We didn't want to do that anymore. Sometimes, you know, don't be hurtful, Right. <laughs> Don't, don't be right in an argument just to hurt someone. I think that that's, you've lost it already. When, when you can't learn from, from from a debacle, when you cannot learn from a debate, it's not a debate, it's an argument. And so this is part of my own spirituality, part of my own, you know, metamorphosis that I'm going through. And I hustle a lot. So I don't really depend upon anybody for paychecks and I don't depend on companies. I have my own company. But we've had to talk to people in our company. We didn't cancel them. We didn't fire them. But we have talked to them. You hope they them, like,
1: learn. You, we hope you they advise. learn. Like, hey- like we, we, consent.
2: we try to explain it. Uh, we were doing a documentary on a trans athlete and it turns out the trans athlete is just something that we just we agree with trans and we support the trans community and where the film was going was just not where we wanted to go. We do not want to do a film on a conservative trans person. I want to do a film that's going to support the community. <laughs> but, but
1: but you know what? A, a conservative trans person might be a fascinating
2: It might. Subject. It's just not. And, and I said that. And it's just not for us. We're trying to go. Okay. We're, we're turning over New Leaf. And we really just want to be about horror. And we want to be about true crime documentaries. And we want to be about horror fest. And we want to be about great podcasts that bring. Well, let's growth.
1: hope it doesn't turn into a true crime documentary.
2: <laughs> no, I hope not.
0: Tell us about your film festival in St. Charles and you moved to St. Charles, correct?
2: I did, I moved I moved from the city. I still have um, my studio space in the city. I just, we, me and my daughter needed a better environment for her. Uh, it was just getting too, it was getting really bad where we were and there was a lot of hostility and so I just didn't want her around it anymore. She didn't wanna come see me anymore, she was scared. There was a lot of gunshots. The cop had died about three blocks from us um, in Tower Grove. So it was just, enough mm. was enough. I had to drive her home at three o'clock in the morning so we decided to make the conservative efforts as move as west as we could, where we could still be able to reach the city <laughs> from a halfway. Right. And so we chose St. Charles. I love history, and it, it's just full of it. And so, um, yeah. Well, so we did. We did Benton Park Film Festival, and of course, last year we had to cancel it. And um, we had made a couple posts about you know redoing it and bringing it back this year. Well, the founders and the team was just like. Sliff is hard to compete with, and we don't really want to compete with anybody. We want to support theirs, and I want them to support us. Um, and although I don't the ever plan. agree, yeah, I don't ever agree with their choices in the in the, student, in the uh, St. Louis showcase of which one. I've been there four four times now, and I'm like, how did that win? But that's <laughs> subjective, right? That's that's you try to be now, objective as you can. Did you see
1: Beast clawing at straws this year? Mm-hmm. Did
2: you care for it? I did.
0: Well, he's talking about showcase though. Those are the, all the local. Oh yeah. You know, like our daddy dog that.
2: Should have won. You know, I'll <laughs> say it. I don't care. Should have won. I should have won easy. <laughs> um, I pulled cringe out because of that dog, because of that, because of that dog, right that, that dog right there, that dog right there, that dog won't hunt. And it was I pulled cringe out cause I was afraid to go against that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, So it all started with that. And then we started a podcast recently called Haunted Garage, where we go into um, the paranormal arena has has been saturated. And so me and my buddy, we, we have SHIFT films and SHIFT all stands for cars. We have our cars we work on. We have five cars now we're working on. And so one of the things is, is that we wanted to do something that was a podcast based around hauntings that affect vehicles. And transportation Christine. and so from that yeah it's really fun it's it's the haunted garage on instagram just follow the instagram and you'll you'll find all the episodes but for the horror fest we were like you know There's not a really good horror fest here, and St. Louis is the capital of horror. We have Mm -hmm. the best haunted houses in America. Like we need to do something.
0: Alton, look at Alton. Oh
2: my God, yeah. So we need to do something crazy. So right now we're in the fundamental steps of what we're gonna. We have um, Antonio Pantejo, who, if you don't know who he is, gotta check his film out. It's called One Must Fall. This is the next Wes Craven. This he's. We've become fast friends. He is an incredible director. He's scared to death of ghosts, which is hilarious. But he's the most amazing. He's a, director. he's a horror director. And I think that's what makes him so good because if it scares him, he knows exactly. it'll be good.
1: This, is all, this Keep it in the movie.
2: So we're, we're going to open up with his film. One must fall. And then he, we're going to do a, um, this is what we're trying to do. So all of this is going to come to light in the next couple months. We have to have, a, we have a good meeting next week with a couple of venues, but we're going to try to get um, Kane Hodder here. If you don't know who that is, he played Jason he, four times. Yes, he did. And he's the best Jason. And I absolutely love that man because this is a character in film that never said a word. And he is the most loved character aside from Michael Myers. These were two characters in, in film that never said a word, but have the most popularity, which I just think is like the Jesus complex. It's like, Oh my God, like even on my, on my leg here, it's going to be all Halloween. And then my other leg is going to be all Jason. So if I can get him here, that'd be great. Cause I want him to talk to acting students about how to play that part. Cause not only is he a stunt man, but he was a person that changed. Like, His Jason is the scariest serial killer in any movie it's just just
1: standing there
2: just and his little looks to the side and just the way his movement is and so just to have him on stage teaching our local actors at Webster and at Lindenwood and Maryville all our performance art schools and then Antonio is going to do a showcase um, a two-hour or three-hour showcase so he's going to show the film the opener and then the next day we're going to have a whole workshop with young directors and try to get people in here and talk about how to direct horror horror is the number one atmosphere where young filmmakers can make boatloads of money because the horror audience will watch anything horror. They love it. They embrace it. And if it's the worst movie ever, there's a movie called Killing*, Okay. And it made a killing. <laughs> it, it, it made a killing. So, and that's not for everybody but every you know there's only so many documentaries we can do there's only so many narrative films where you can't use the best the greatest thing about horror movies is that you can use unknowns and make them known think about johnny depp think about kevin bacon think about all these people uh, jamie lee curtis think about the people that came from horror and so we really want to embody that aniston jennifer Aniston. exactly exactly leprechaun 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 thank you Uh, yeah and then drew barrymore and scream and you had a bunch of other you know what i'm saying so i think that a horror fest is needed and it's definitely needed this year i think it's a way that because in 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 the strangest way i'll say this but i think horror films are so cathartic and to have a horror festival after the year that we've had to really kind of just get this steam off and really talk about some great filmmakers we only have three categories we have feature film we have short film and we have student film that's it five total films will be selected that's it, we're gonna keep it simple. Benton Park Film Festival was, was a success, it sold out, but I had to show like 50 films and I'm not gonna do it this time. We're showing 15 films, we're gonna have the workshop, we're gonna have, hopefully, we're gonna have some amazing people. We already have Antonio, Antonio's coming, he's creating an entire curriculum right now. So we're definitely gonna have him come in and if I can get Wes, if I can get like John Carpenter to come, that'd be awesome, I don't know, I have, I want Rob Zombie to come, I, but, but he's $100,000. So maybe we can start a Kickstarter, <laughs> Try to bring these guys out. Eli Roth would be amazing. So just have these guys cut and really encourage the, and I'm talking like these young black filmmakers. Look at what Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's going own horror soon.
1: What about Rob's wife?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, she's... She's, in,
1: she's involved in a lot of stuff too. She's directed as well.
2: Yeah, she's she's so talented and beautiful and like incredible. And they these people really in, are indoctrinated in the horror film and the horror film is just a thing that like we me and my buddy were just so into it writing the festival that we actually had to rewatch the thing do you guys remember that with kurt russell and yeah the, the, yeah the, you it's know the one of the 50s too yeah. from the outer space the thing from outer space and then we watched the remake which was actually the prequel to the 80s film which is awesome which a lot of people didn't catch because you have to watch kurt russell's mm-hmm. um, but watching these films like we even watched society the other night and um uh just some great films like that we just forget about. And so we would love to be the next Chris Blommer and, and have like Shutter, but and have mm-hmm. Shudder sponsor us. But I think that the is the limit right now. And I think that the more people we can get involved, that'd be great. So if you follow us at the Haunted Garage on Instagram and just say you want to volunteer, say you want to be a part of it, say you know somebody, we're trying to get as much people to flood that account. It's a small account, it's controlled by actually the person editing the Lemp film. She's doing all our cause. Hanukkah is is a humorous thing. We needed some humor in our mm-hmm. lives, so it's it's really stories about like James Dean's Little Bastard. And we talk about the Golden Eagle, which is the real Christine. So it, it ties into horror movies, but also the real cars, the real vehicles that had the effect behind it. So it's a really fun 30 minute show on Apple podcast right now. It's called Haunted Garage. Um, you can't miss it. We have two episodes up. We have James Dean, we have the Golden Eagle. And then on February 22nd, we're releasing the Black Volga. So we're going to be talking about the horror festival in our interim on the Instagram page and on this show so we want as many people to be involved in this and, and help us build this amazing horror show it's not about profiting it's about bringing people together to really um bring people together on on a subject that we can all get along on that we don't have to have debates that we can all agree that horror is one of the best genres of film it really brings people together so and there's so many there's, so many there's so
0: many
1: sub of horror
2: oh god creature feature slasher serial killer comedy. D-
0: haunted houses
2: haunted houses um, possession yeah
0: do you know i think uh i think that horror and besides comedy horror is the thing you got to watch with an audience and like uh, the invisible man was one of the last movies people saw in theaters last year yeah,
2: and i'm expecting you two guys to be judges by the way because we're going to have a bunch of films come in so you guys are going to be curating i'm going to have foise i'm getting, Absolutely. I'm getting oh, fois- yeah, already I, I never- yeah yeah He's already excited about it. I haven't even talked to him yet, but I know he's excited I'm making him a judge. We have a, um, a really good film critic, uh, I forget his name right now. He, he writes the oh, what's his name? Julie just gave me his name. I'm gonna ask him to be. Uh, I want, I want, I'm this guessing to be it's involved. Tom Stockman. Yes, because the giveaway we have been in talks with Vincent Price's daughter, mm-hmm. and we're gonna do oh, she's
0: wonderful. I interviewed her one time, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. She's,
2: Incredible writer. Uh, loved her father. They had an incredible daddy-daughter relationship. Um, so I'd love to have her speak, too, on the opening. And I, I'll get back in touch with her. Um, COVID happened and everything kind of fell. But now we're just kind of resurrecting anything. No pun intended. But um, we're going to ha- definitely have – we want it to be Halloween weekend. It might be the weekend before. So we're going to release the limp film with the Horror Fest because we believe Ooh. it falls right in line. Oh, and yeah. that way – all these people that have been waiting will have a chance to meet some people and they'll get some freebies and stuff like that. Some merchandise and stuff just for, just for being awesome fans of, of shift films and and sticking with us and not asking for literally we've, we've given back, we've given four refunds. And um, of those four refunds, I said, you guys are still coming. You're going to be on my, I only had about 10 seats left, but I gave the people that needed the refund because they lost their job or whatever. I said, you're on my list. You're still coming. Your tickets are still valid. But aside from that, man, the St. Louis community here is just so strong, especially with the turnout with cringe and how successful mm-hmm. that was. Cringe ended up getting like 32 laurels, 12 major awards. It's just, it's, it's just an incredible community. And I really want to highlight that a lot. We get so much bad press about the murders and the suicide and all this stuff. I just want to say that like there's so many talented people, and and Schiff wants to promote those people that are out there. Maybe they're in the the woodwork right there. But man, if you're thinking about doing horror, you want to be a part of a horror festival. Now's the time. Hit us up, Hauna, the Haunted Garage on Instagram. OK, uh, well,
0: or- Dave Glover used to have a horror festival because uh, Max got me to judge it. Max and I were judges. Yeah. And this was a couple of years ago. And then, well, then Max didn't work on the Dave Glover show anymore. But well, yeah. right. But
1: they every once in a while, they do paranormal stuff.
2: They do paranormal uh, Wednesdays. Yes. I love yeah. Dave Glover. I think it I think used just... to
1: be Paranormal Tuesdays. Tuesdays but now yeah. it's on Paranormal Wednesdays. Uh,
0: I just yeah. want to draw your attention to my a uh, first cousin's daughter. So I guess she's my what second cousin, third cousin. Um, she has Someone a podcast. You know. <laughs> she has a podcast. Uh, she lives in Boston. She has Wonderful. a podcast called Two Girls and a Ghost.
2: I follow them. That's crazy. You related to them? Yeah. I love that podcast.
0: Oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad. It's yeah, that's my uh, world, that's my it? New England relatives.
2: Yeah, it's one yeah. of the reasons why like they do such a great job on that podcast. Is like, you know what, man? We're just gonna stick to transportation and hauntings. You know, we're doing Lincoln's train <laughs> soon. Lincoln's trains ghost and the uh, Ghost Bust of London and the Headless Riders for motorcycle guys. It's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah. And then next year we're turning it into a web series. Um, so mm-hmm. we're actually gonna do our own TV series um, awesome. on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to go out to these locations and film and it could be about 22 27 minutes early and you are going to get to see the cars and drive the cars and hopefully we'll be able to wrench on them and get them working again. That'd be really fun. Um <laughs> but i um, you know how I am. I'm high-pie, you know. But hey, well, you know what? It's worked before. So
0: Well, thank, thank you, you for so being much. on. And I, uh, I I'm i just going to throw my uh, two cents in for I bet Joe Bob Briggs would come.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said,
0: <laughs> Monster I mean, Vision, I used to watch my son and I used to watch Monster Vision every Saturday night and it was just so much fun. And yeah. then it's just, just, you know, a TNT got rid of it and it was like, mm. but also have you seen the Netflix movie His House? Yeah, I love that. And that went nowhere,
2: nowhere. But you know what? It's just like it's a, with anything. I mean, I don't want to keep you guys long winded as it is. But yeah, I mean, some of these films go nowhere, you know, and it's unfortunate because they're <laughs> really good.
0: <laughs> they fall through the cracks. So yeah. we can talk about horror movies a lot. But thank you so much for coming on. And we will definitely have you on again uh, closer to the dates of release of all your projects yeah next time
2: i come up i'll have some passes for you guys to meet um or be at one of the workshops i'll have at least five giveaways so you guys can give it away and they can be in a be in a director class with antonio that'd be awesome shiftfilms.net you can find
1: out a lot about frankie and his team and uh follow the haunted garage on instagram and you can find out about the film festival
0: yep lynn where can we find you young lady I am in the Webster-Kirkwood Times, online and in print. I am on KTRS radio every Thursday night. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van House Goes to the Movies, 1030. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. It's a work in progress, but we're getting there. And uh, I'm here. Now we're at 101, Carl. Yay. <laughs>
1: well, And congratulations on you finally getting a professional microphone. Now we just need to teach you to speak into it. <laughs>
0: yes. So here I, move ne- around, I move around I move a no, lot. The next I- step <laughs> will
1: be getting you at least one earpiece so you can hear yeah. it. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at at underscore Carl, the intern, where you usually see me uh, blowing the horn at your St. Louis blues hockey games. So let's hope that the blues one start winning and two play another team besides the Arizona coyotes. <laughs> <So true. laughs> well,
0: well, win! thank you. Frankie. Great, thank you guys. Warm. I appreciate have, it. Thank you. Stay warm. Glad to see Everybody, you guys are safe. Have a great Valentine's day weekend Sunday. And, um, wear your mask shop local let's go bye-bye bye